You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. Friday, October 27th, this is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you are riding with me to Dubs, High on the Hog Barbecue in Calhoun. I came here today to my physical workplace where the manufacturing is done of the things we sell. I went to one meeting with a bunch of people, and that was pretty much the last reason that I needed to be here, except for playing ping pong this evening. But now that's canceled because I need to get home so my wife can go to a birthday party. So there is no reason for me to remain here in Vol country. You say, Seth, I thought you worked in Dalton. There's Vol people everywhere. I'm looking at one right now. So I am leaving Vol country to go to Calhoun and get barbecue at my favorite barbecue place in Calhoun. And then I'm going to go home and finish my work day from there. So you get one of these stoppages shows where I drive to Dubs. And then I drive out of Dubs, and I got the sweet tea, taking the drink. Wait, half sweet, half unsweet, because I'm being healthy. And I'm like, here's what we need to do. Swallow, and then I'm like, oh, okay, because I'm drinking the tea and swallowing it. That's why there's a pause. So get ready for the pauses. Although, since there's no question, I may just finish the show before I get there. Today's show title is Network Marketing Baptist Church. Network Marketing Baptist Church, and I'm I'm a Baptist, so that's why that's what I made the the show title. It could be non-denom Pentecostal, it could be any kind of church, but I made it Baptist Church because that's what I am. That's what I am, and that's who I care about. What was that guy? Uh, it was Dan Aykroyd, the character from uh, is it Zelensky, who makes the brake pads. He's that. That's. I make parts for the American worker because that's who I am and that's who I care about. That's in Tommy Boy. In my opinion, the best Chris Farley movie there was. Tommy Boy. Anyway, I'm a Baptist and that's who I am and that's who I care about. You should care about the whole kingdom, Seth. I do. So that's the show topic. As always, we have the Bible chapter review and as I already said... And I said it yesterday, although I haven't uploaded the show yet. For real, this is it. The the inbox is empty. And I'm going to sing Ronnie Millsap today because y'all made me sad. Nobody likes sad songs. The ones about goodbye. Songs about broken hearts and tears in your eyes. Nobody likes sad songs. Since you went away, that being the questions in the inbox, seems like sad songs are all I can play. There, if you don't want to be assailed with any more off-key Ronnie Millsap, send a question about Christian apologetics or theology to Seth Dunn 88 at gmail.com or dial 470. 470- 315-0875. Now, before I get to the Bible chapter review, I have to say one thing since I brought up Ronnie Millsap. Is he's blind. We, we all know this. He's sort of like Stevie Wonder. He's not, he, he was not as blind as Stevie Wonder, but he eventually went totally blind 
but he he's got the song stranger in my house there's a stranger in my house somebody there that I can't see you can't see anybody in your house Ronnie Millsap you're blind the people that are supposed to be there you can't see and the stranger in your house if he is there you can't see you can't see anybody that is what it's like to be a pedantic person and listen to any given song well you can't see anybody Ronnie Millsap you're blind that's a great song but I've always like wait wait you can't see my daughter listened to my podcast the other day because I was trying to cut and paste and edit in the question that I missed. And I was just going through the first few minutes to find the place where I needed to edit it. She said, you haven't said anything about Christ at all. Like, no, I haven't, Alexandria. All right, let's get to Christ. Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. Hold on, I gotta pass this tanker truck or I'll... No! Or I'll never get to dubs. Uh, there's an even slower truck in front of him. Jesus returns to Bethany. He is at the house of Simon the leper. And hold on, I'm trying to make a light. Out of my way, tractor trailer. I do not want to be behind you. I am making the light, and Jesus is at Simon's house in Bethany in chapter 26. Now, I do want this light to turn red because it'll give me time to read the, the little Bible verse. Come on, turn red. Turn red. It's not going to do it. It would have given me time to read the Bible verse and not have to do it on the freeway. Ooh, I'm stopping another red light. It's going to turn green. Watch. Here it comes. I'm not going to get started because it's going to turn. Oh, well, maybe it didn't. Now, when Jesus still in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, Why this waste? For this perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother this woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken in memory of her. And look, we just did it. We just talked about the memory of her in, in the Christian podcast here. All right, so Jesus has returned after he got through preaching to the Pharisees in, in, in Jerusalem and then preaching to the crowd and, and even telling the disciples about the end and giving the parables. And he came back and he said, the Passover is coming and also I'm going to be crucified. And then they go back to eat. It's not a very appetizing thing for your leader to say, all right, I'm done teaching. I'm going to get crucified. Let's go eat. <laughs> They're, what? What? All right. So they know Jesus has said he's going to be handed over and crucified. In the previous verses that we covered yesterday, we see they are the high priest and the elders are plotting against Jesus. 
how they can kill him without causing a riot. He goes back to Bethany to the the house of Simon the leper, and they're eating, and they're all reclining. Remember, they didn't sit at tables in chairs like we do. They would have, like, pillows on the floor, and they'd lean on those pillows, and the food would be in front of them. That's how they ate. So that's why he's reclining, because they're all reclining on the floor. And this woman comes in with a jar of costly perfume. And I have heard preachers preach about this, and you know, maybe they're right, maybe it's true. I haven't looked up the commentaries on it. But I mean, I've heard them go on tangents about this woman. Like, all right, this woman was probably a prostitute, or this, this, this perfume of hers is the only valuable thing she has. It's probably the dowry for her wedding that she's saving for her wedding day. It's so costly and so valuable. And they go on and on. And they try to make, they try to fill in a background for this woman. Like, give her a little backstory. Because they don't even, this doesn't even give her name. And uh, some people, because this is, this story is in the other Gospels. And off the top of my head, I can't remember if the other Gospels name the woman. But we've concluded her name was Mary. But not Mary, his mom, okay? Some, some, some people, there's the we again. And I'm sorry, I just can't remember if, if Luke or John named this woman and saying a woman named Mary comes in. But if you look it up on the internet, they'll say her name is Mary. All right. And so, so they'll try to fill in this entire backstory of this woman and why she had the perfume. Not what it's about. What we know is that a woman comes in and she has a vial of costly perfume. Her backstory is not important. What she does here is important. Okay, think about this. The elders and the high priest are rejecting Jesus. He's their Messiah, and they are rejecting her. The last, the last verse is like, they're at Caiaphas' house. Caiaphas, they give us his name, because he's, in this, he's a well-known figure. We can go back in history and find when Caiaphas was the high priest. Okay? This is just some woman with a costly vial of perfume, okay? She comes into Simon's house, pours the perfume on Jesus. The disciples are indignant. Why? They've been walking around Judea and Galilee, and they hadn't been bathing themselves in perfume. They don't even have they don't even have their own houses to stay in. Foxes and hens have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In fact, they're a guest in somebody's house right now. Perfume is the last thing on their mind. And she pours this very expensive perfume on Jesus. And let me stop right now. Because perfume's expensive now. I'm not talking about the designer imposter perfume you buy at the gas station. I'm not talking about the stuff they got at CVS. I'm talking about what you buy at Belk at the Clinique counter. The Clinique counter has made an appearance two days in a row on the Christian commute. Okay, I'm talking about the stuff you see a commercial on TV for and Charlize Theron or Johnny Depp is in it. Okay, expensive perfume. And there's even a level of more expensive perfume 
Now, you ain't getting at the American department store, okay? At the mall that only rich people go to. Or someplace in Paris. Yes, there's expensive perfume today. Very expensive perfume. And yes, it is a luxury item. Perfume is a luxury item because you do not need it. You don't eat it or sleep under it or drive on it. You don't need it. You, 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 you would have it so you don't smell. And you got to remember, the people back then did not have running water. They're not taking a shower every day. I, I, every day. I took two showers yesterday. I think I did. I th- I'm pretty, yeah, I did. I took two showers yesterday. And I almost took a third one when I got home, but I decided not to. And my wife will tell me sometimes, like, oh, you're taking a second shower. I hadn't taken a shower in three days. And I'm like, don't get in the bed with me tonight if you don't take a shower. That's great. Oh, we got all these kids. I don't have time. If you want a shower, you find time to take a shower. And I do. Wash, shampoo, conditioner, and body wash, okay? Once or twice a day. I can't go to bed dirty, okay? It's just, that's your host, the guy who doesn't want Oh, I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to fix the car. I could get grease on my hand. Anyway, that's a tangent. All that to say is these people smelled. Do you ever get next to a person from certain parts of Asia who have they've immigrated here and they don't have deodorant in their culture? I, I, I imagine India just smells very badly. But that's not a part of their culture. And when everybody smells, it's not unusual, all right? And you're like, oh, oh, I hope I don't sit by them on the plane. Well, that's probably about how it smelled then. So the perfume would have been not to clean them, but to cover up the smell. And it was very expensive. And get this, okay? As I said, we had expensive perfume today, but... It wouldn't have been as valuable as it was back then, and not just because everybody smelled, because they struggled to have food as a society. Like, they could have a famine. The people buying, whether they're buying the, the perfume at the gas station at CVS or at Belk or the Rich People Mall, none of them are wor- worried about starving, Okay. I'm on the way to Dubs, high on the hog. I know they'll have food for me. And if I if if disaster struck and I couldn't afford to eat at Dubs, high on the hog, this episode brought to you by Doug's High on the Hog Barbecue, I could still survive on ramen noodles and Kansas soup, or going down to the food kitchen at the the Anglican Church and then Tabernacle Baptist and and then going to the free liberal presbyterian meal like i ha- i have like i couldn't i cannot fathom me or my children actually starving to death because we live in such a prosperous society that was not how it was for everybody back then so i just want you to understand just how valuable perfume was a luxury item was in a society where people could actually run out of food So the disciples are indignant at this waste because this is a luxury item. And they say, you, 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 you wasted it. You could have sold that and gave it to the poor. And Jesus, it says Jesus aware of that. And I, I have to go into the Greek and look, which I'm not going to do for a car podcast. I don't know if it's saying 
he was aware that they were thinking that, like the time they that he he read the hearts of the people who said which, and then he said, which is easier to say, uh, get up and walk, or your your sins are forgiven, because they had they were frustrated. The, the Pharisees, I think it was, or the scribes were frustrated when he healed the guy, and they thought, who is he to say this? And he he knew their heart, and even though they didn't say it to him, he said, this is what you're thinking. So I don't know if they were whispering off to the side, oh man, what a waste. Or if Jesus, what Matthew is saying is like Jesus is saying, yes, I'm aware it's expensive perfume and we could have gave it to the poor after selling it or sold it and gave it to the poor. Like, I get it. But either way, he says, why are you bothering this woman? She's done something nice for me. And the disciples were just not thinking. He just told them, I am about to get crucified. Two days from now. Or however many days it was till Passover. I'm getting crucified. And they should have been, th- they should have been thinking, hey, what can we do about Jesus' burial? Because if he gets crucified, he's going to have to be buried at least for three days. And back in that day, people would perf- put perfume on the body. Because the body was already smelly, and then when it, when the body dies, it's going to get even smellier. So she is preparing Jesus for burial. And what does he say? Truly I say to you that wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, and we know it's, been preached, it's supposed to be preached to the end of the earth, ends of the earth, that people are going to remember what that woman did for Jesus. And by the way, that's the point of the verse. And th- hey, by the way, here's another by the way. Um, when I do these Bible chapter reviews, I do them vertically on purpose. That being say, I'm not taking a horizontal reading of this story. I'm not getting more detail from the other Gospels that mention this. Because I could color it more, just like I talked about. But I'm not doing that. I'm doing it on purpose. Because I'm trying to do it exactly how the book was written. Remember, this is a Bible chapter review. This is not a sermon. Because in a sermon, you're going to go over here and over there, and you're going to say, well, the Bible says this, and this is all related. This is a Bible chapter review. I'm talking about what Matthew was trying to communicate with all the details Matthew gave us. So you'll hear me when I do these Gospels, uh, reviews of the Gospels. I'll say, this is synoptic. It says this over here, but I don't ever say much. I might mention a difference in, in the text, like this says more, this says less. Like there's there's one of the texts where I mean this is a textual variant. This demon only comes out by prayer, and other and, and one 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 text or a variant says prayer and fasting. So sometimes I'll talk about a variant within the text, and sometimes I'll talk about well Mark says this and Matthew gives more detail, or Luke said, Matthew says this and Luke explains this. But I don't really try to get the details out and put them in because we're doing a horizontal reading and a Bible chapter review of this chapter. So please do not feel like I left anything out or missed part of the story. It's deliberate. Now, let me tell you something. There's all kind of preacher Olympics that preachers can do with this verse. I don't want to talk about them because people are want to kind of spiritualize this. They just they don't want to say this is historically what happened and what it means. They want to try to apply something to your life. It's good because you do, after a sermon, want to have some kind of application you can put. But don't force an application in there. Jesus says, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be spoken in memory of her. That's the point of including it. 
We're showing that the disciples weren't paying attention to Jesus' needs, but this woman was, and now we're going to remember what she did. Okay? But some preachers will turn this into, like, you don't need to be worrying about what other people do with their money. That's their business. You don't need to be the job. You don't need to be the, the judge of everybody. Whatever, what other people do is between them and the Lord. And by the way, that's good advice. But it's not what this is about. It's not about the you let people do what they want to with your stuff and you do what you want to with your stuff and, and don't condemn them about how they spend their money or use their resources. It's a little covetous, I think, when you do that. And it's, uh, it's judgmental in a bad way. You can be judgmental in a good way. And it's judgmental in a bad way when that happens. And then Jesus says to them, because they're concerned with the poor, he says, the poor will always be with you. Some people take this and say, see, we can't alleviate poverty, especially through the government, because Jesus said the poor would always be with them. There, the Bible says there will always be poor people. We cannot eliminate or alleviate poverty. Well, I guess you cannot eliminate it, because you can alleviate it. The way you could alleviate it would be to sell the perfume and give the money to the poor people so they can have food. And uh, let me... Let me say this to you, because there really are people out there, and you probably don't, I mean, if you're in your little church bubble, or if you're in the bubble where I am, I live in one of the most conservative parts of America, not just that the Bible Belt is politically conservative. The idea of giving a universal income is crazy to the people in just in my circle. Not all of them. Because I've mentioned before, uh, one of my friends is a big-time Democrat. In fact, that's who I went to the football game with. And, you know, we're driving, it's funny, my, we're driving to Birmingham, not Birmingham, we're driving to Tuscaloosa because we got to go back to his house. And my, my, uh, my brother and his wife, they have to go to Nashville to a concert afterwards. So we're, we're driving in two cars. <laughs> and me and my friend, like, you, I've talked about him on the show before, Joe, like, we both have MDIVs. He went to... Candler School of Theology at Emory, and I went to New Orleans Baptist. So we're talking theology and stuff like that. He's talking like seminary experiences. He's like he's saying, you know, we studied Schleiermacher. Oh, I can't pronounce it. Schleiermacher. It's a German. It's like a German theologian, and like we 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 looked at Karl Barth. I'm like, we talked about Karl Barth too, but we were comparing the experiences of what my seminary prepares people to do and the beliefs that underlie it, like the inerrancy of Scripture and going to evangelize people, versus what his prepares them to do and being more academic and open to the you know different ideas, which is it's a liberal seminary and mine's conservative. And I forget how, but somehow we got to talking about. Abortion, and I, and I don't even know how he got there. And he asked me, he says, what's the best... Oh, I think we got to talk about Christian ethics as a class. And he said, well, what's the best way to eliminate abortion? Because the Democrats, they always want to say, listen, if we do this, abortion rates will go down. I'm like, well, that, and he's like, well, look, since Oberfeld, abortion rates have gone up. Because we're, we're talking politically, like now that Roe versus Wade is over, you're going to see some maybe some infighting between the pro-life groups because now the you're, the pro-life groups their big source of revenue is gone Roe got overturned what are they going to argue about anymore I mean what are they going to do 
I guess they could spend their time advocating uh, adoption and poverty alleviation for orphans, I guess. I don't know. Well, they're not orphans because they're, they didn't get aborted and they're alive with their mom who might not have wanted them. <laughs> anyway, he asked me because he's thinking, he's thinking that, all right, the goal is to reduce rates. And this is how, this is how liberals think. You got to understand, this is how a Democrat's going to argue to you. If we did these policies, we would reduce abortion. And I, I'm just like, I want the rate to be zero. I don't care if the rate goes from five, 500,000 to 400,000. That's great that 100,000 babies weren't murdered. But it's unjust to say, look, we've enacted this government policy and only and 100,000 less people or babies were killed. And like, see, we were, I know you think they're living babies from conception, but see, we've killed less of them. Like, no, that's not justice. What about those 100,000? What about the justice for them? It's a matter of justice. And this is how you come back into Democrat. This is a matter of justice. You know, dot, 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 social justice. That weak orphan people are being killed in the womb. You know, true religion is to do good to widows and orphans in their distress. And I can think of no one more defenseless than a baby in the womb whose mother is trying to kill him and some doctor is trying to make $280 off the procedure. I mean, I wouldn't want to murder anybody for any amount of money, but shouldn't it be like $3 million to murder somebody? You're murdering somebody for like two fifty. That's wicked. That's a different kind of wicked. Anyway, and he asked me this question. How would, how would, how would you eliminate abortion? And I said, eliminate, I said, eliminate poor women. And he goes, yeah, yeah, so you got to give them a universal income. And, and I said, no, no, no. You just, we, could just, we don't have to give them a universal income. You know, we could just tie their tubes. Anybody who's poor, we just make them infernal, infertile surgically. 400 bucks. And as I see, now I'm thinking like Planned Parenthood. Now I'm thinking like uh, Margaret Sanger. Of course, I'm not for that. That's horrible. But unless your ethic is built in the Bible... There's a couple different ways you can go with that, isn't there? But all that to say, I wouldn't say to him, well, you can't get rid of poor people because Jesus said in the Bible, the poor will always be with you. I don't think Jesus was trying to didactically teach that there will always be poor people. I think he was trying to tell the apostles, listen, you can, you can always worry about the poor. It's just, you're going to do that your whole life. But I'm here now. And I need this treatment now for burial, and this woman has given it to me. So there are a lot of ways to politicize and spiritualize this sermon about you need to be taking care of your friends. You need to be thinking about what you need to think at. You, you know, we can't alleviate poverty. We don't. We need to be covetous, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of good things you can say, but what you get from the sermon is what I told you. We're memorializing this woman who w- was faithful to Jesus, and his disciples should have commended her, and we should now. Thank. Oh, no, I'm not done. I almost ended the show. I've got to pause the show. Then go in and get my barbecue, and I'll come back out, and I'll talk about network marketing Baptist Church. I'm back. I had the chicken, if anybody's wondering. Let's talk about network marketing Baptist Church. First, let me say this. I know there's people who do this in the town where I live. It's probably so in the town where you live. This is not... A specific com- uh, condemnation of any one person. And by the way, people who know me know I would just go up to a person and condemn them. I would just say, hey, you shouldn't do this. If 
if I wanted to. All right? I am not being passive-aggressive. I'm aggressive-aggressive. Everybody who knows me knows this. I'm more like the person who takes the, uh, the story of the woman in the perfume we just read who says, let people do what they want to do with their stuff. Okay? I am not condemning these people as sinners. So, just to reiterate, this is not about anybody I know. Because I, I know people who used to sell Amway. I've known people who used to sell Fortune High Tech Marketing. I can't I can't don't think of anybody I can't I don't know if I can think of anybody who used to sell Juice Plus, but I think Juice Plus has been pushed on me and my wife before. My aunt used to sell Mary Kay. I don't know how big Mary Kay is anymore because or or uh, what's the the other one? A- Avon? I don't know if Avon is network marketing. I don't I so I'm going to leave that off the list. And then of course the big one now is is Rodan and Fields. And there's people in my neighborhood that sell Rodan and Fields. I know off the top of my head I can name at least three people. And there's probably more than I know. And is there an essential oils one is is there young life essential oils? I don't know if there's a network marketing for essential oils, but I feel like there is. So once again, I am not sitting here condemning any one person in a passive-aggressive manner. And I have to say that because I know there are people, and this sound will find their ears, and they'll be like, oh, he's trying to talk about people. I'm not. Let me just say, I used to have a notebook on my desk when I worked at Field Turf. And I don't know what became of my notebook, but it was a Snoopy notebook because I like Snoopy. And my wife gave it to me. And Snoopy was on the front and it said, My Thoughts. And I used to have lines and lines of show topic ideas. I had show topic ideas for days. And every time one would pop in my head, I'd write it in my Snoopy notebook. Well, since I came off of the blogging and I'm just not as involved in it anymore and... Jordan doesn't do the polemics as much anymore. There's not a lot of people to talk to with about stuff. I mean, I still talk to David and uh, Jeff and, and Dustin very regularly. But the things that all of us are covering, and I don't cover a lot, they, uh, they're things I've already done that are sort of ongoing. So it's hard to find fresh ideas for this podcast so if something just something remotely viable pops in my head we're going to do it and this popped into my head today because I had already mentioned Rodan and Fields yesterday on a tangent well not really a tangent but talking about the, the the lay elders or the lay pastors and the motivation for some of them to take those positions and then we, we read today about the expensive perfume, and I thought, you know what, let's, let's do an episode on network marketing, marketing at church, just in general. And my experiences with it, which I've already told you about before, a long time ago, but it'll, it'll probably strike a chord uh, with a lot of you. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about network marketing 
at church and what it means, I guess, for the reputation of, of everybody involved in it. Here we go. So, <clears throat> first of all, you guys understand, I hope, what network marketing is. And it was invented, by the way, before social networking, which I think social networking and the internet, I think, is probably hurt network marketing. I didn't look it up. But the way it was invented before the, the internet, there was a lot more personality to it. Because network marketing is about basically selling things to your friends and family and then making money by them uh, influencing and selling to their friends and family. Like my cousin Angela used to sell longer burger baskets. And I think she, she used, I don't know if she does it anymore. She used to do Pampered Chef too. So let's say that my cousin Angela sold me on Pampered Chef stuff. And my parents have bought stuff from her before. It's good stuff for the kitchen. And let's all of a sudden, like, I I saw my cousin's Pampered Chef stuff, and I got excited about Pampered Chef. So I am her family, obviously, but I have family to whom she is not family. Like, my mother-in-law and father-in-law and brother-in-law, they're not interested. I mean, they don't, they don't know Angela. They probably met her at my wedding. So my cousin sells me on a network marketing thing. I like it. Then I sell, let's say I sell my sister-in-law on it because she gets interested. Okay, and so now my cousin has sold me on something, and I've sold it to my sister-in-law. But now she's got a whole network of friends and family. I don't know in Augusta. Let's say she sells it to her cousin. And you see how it works? And she sells it to a bunch of people at work. Everybody has their own circle of friends and family and coworkers. Everybody's got that. And network marketing is about selling into your network. Basically, personal advertising. And it is often compared to a pyramid scheme. Pyramid schemes are illegal. The network marketing is legal. So here's the way it works. And I'll use, I'll use Rodan and Fields as an example because it's the popular one. You got some lady... First of all, you know, let's 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 just back up even further. You have Rodan and Fields, the people who introduced it. They are having trouble, as I said yesterday, going to market through the traditional route of department stores. So they decided to make their product a network marketing product. So what happens is you have somebody on your team. This would be somebody at the top of the pyramid, by the way. And then they sell some ladies. I guess it could be men, but they sell some ladies on the benefits of Rodan and Fields. And what you do is you buy a starter kit from the person who sells you on Rodan and Fields. And you get all this makeup and you show it to people. And what you're trying to do is either one, sell them the makeup where they come to you, like you're their little personal makeup store, or two, get them so sold on Rodan and Fields that they buy a starter kit and they start selling it to everybody else. So the person at the top level gets a percentage of everybody's sales below them. Obviously, Rodan and Fields, the two ladies, are at the top. So the person at the top of the pyramid buys the stuff from Rodan and Fields. They then sell Rodan and Fields products to their customers, 
and then the people on their team. That's what they call She's on my team. She's on my team. That's what they'll say. And then their teammates or team members get their own team. And then they get their own team. And everybody's getting a piece of the cut of the, the makeup that is bought. So you become a makeup wholesaler and a makeup dealer at the same time. Like, a, I, I, how about this? A makeup wholesaler, because dealers are basically wholesalers. You, became a, you become a wholesaler and a re- reseller, or sorry, a retailer at the same time. So a wholesaler buys lots of things, and a retailer also buys lots of things, but they sell it to one person. See what I mean? I'm just going to sell you this to one, one person. So people are either buying their makeup from you or buying their supplies from you. And the more team members you get, the more money you get. The bigger revenue stream is, and the bigger opportunity for you to get a cut of the people below you and below you and below you. Ultimately, the person on the top is the one uh, getting the cuts. And I just want to, how do you get to be the person on the top? That's what I want to do. Can you just call Rodan and Fields and say, I want to be on the top? I don't understand how that works. Maybe one of you do. Amway used to do this back in the days before the internet. Now that you can order stuff off the internet, I don't know how successful network marketing can be, but it's all over our churches. And essentially what you do as a network marketer is you turn your friends and family and acquaintances into revenue streams. Someone, as I've said before on the show, once tried to sell me Fortune High Tech Marketing. Fortune High Tech Marketing. And if you're a member of Fortune High Tech Marketing, you could sell DirecTV and Verizon service to people. And the argument was this. Like, all your friends and family already have TV service. And they already have cell phone service. So you're not asking them to buy something that they, that they don't already have, like Juice Plus. They're just buying it from you. And that's the idea. You get the profits instead of some nameless, faceless company. And James Merritt, who I've talked to before, had Fortune High Tech Marketing into the pulpit of his church. Now, it wasn't Sunday. But he let the Fortune High Tech Marketing people park Mercedes. (laughs) It was either Lexuses or Mercedes. Is it Lexuses or Lexi? luxury cars out in front of the church and then he had this big get together and he gave the intro for the salesman to come up and push fortune high tech marketing on his church and this got into my church too and the preacher's wife Sonny Hathaway got into it and I'll I'll shorten the story Uh, my Sunday school teacher came to me and said let me take you to dinner to talk about a business opportunity with you I was not as experienced as I am now, but I was still a CPA, and that guy's family owned businesses, and I'm thinking, oh, this guy wants um, my expertise as an accountant to do some work for him in, in a business, and he wants to talk to me about it, and he wants to take me to dinner to talk about it. Okay, and I'm not thinking anything of it. If it was a dessert party, I would have said, oh, I know what's going on. So anyway, when I get to the dinner... Number one, there's no there's no food because the catering company screwed up. But also, there's a bunch of people there. It wasn't just him talking to me. It was 
like everybody he knew. And he had rented out a little building near the barbecue place. And they started trying to sell us on Fortune High Tech Marketing. And they brought a couple prominent people up from the church. Like another Sunday school teacher. I think, I think both of these guys were deacons. People that we would respect. And then after that, they got to the top of the market. And then my Sunday school teacher's wife said, Well, you know, we were in Pastor Don's office and Sonny told me about this. And then I just, autistic meltdown. Not, not as much, of, not a big meltdown, but like the kind of like when an autistic person doesn't know how to be polite and say no. As soon as she said to my wife with me sitting next to her, this was explained to me in the pastor's office, flip the switch. How dare you use the pastor's office and that reputation to try to sell my wife on your pyramid scheme? And I just blew up at that woman. This is the sweetest woman you'll ever meet. But I just, I cut a promo on this woman. And I was like, you got people from church here, and you're trying to sell this on the integrity of the pastor's office, and the sonny's into it. And I, and I just said, you're trying to sell it to a retarded person. <laughs> uh, because listen, you can say retarded. And here around here, you know, you're supposed to. Well, I went all through this yesterday. Special special needs is what you're supposed to say. But there was a retard. It was like some retarded person was there, who you know he lived with his parents. He wasn't out on his own. And she's like, No, we're not trying to sell it to him. We're trying to sell it to his parents. But I was just livid. Like you're using the influence of your position at church to try and make money off us on this stupid scheme. Which, by the way, was later shut down by the Federal Trade Commission as a scam and they had to pay big fines. And I never trusted that Sunday school teacher ever again. Because how do I know that you're not serving out of the goodness of your heart? I, I thought that, but I just naturally think that. All the deacons and all the elders and all the Sunday school teachers and everybody here is here because they love Jesus and they're serving out of the goodness of their heart. Now you're trying to sell me on some stupid thing that's obviously a scam. And all I see are people from church. Why are you really at church? And you know, this is sort of like the, the veil was lifted and I'm starting to see things or think about things I didn't think about before. And I've told that story a million times. But going to what we said, or what we talked about yesterday, or what you didn't talk back to me, I said it. There was no discussion. There was no conversation. It's just me saying, this, 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 this. And whoever doesn't fall asleep is hearing it. I was listening to one of my podcasts at work the other day. I'm like, man, I'm tired. Oh, it's because I'm putting myself to sleep. I need to stop listening to my podcast at work. Just put on some music. And I did, and I wasn't sleepy anymore. That's called self deprecating humor and ingratiates you to people but it's true it's true I'm not making up a story just to be funny that's true I put myself to sleep and I put Reagan Hall to sleep I know that no what well, Reagan Ainsworth she got married I should know I was there anyway so now whenever I see people at any given church I think to myself do you really believe in what this church believes in? And since we call this Network Marketing Baptist Church, 
do you really believe in the Baptist faith and message 2000 and those doctrines and what goes on here and the mission here? Or are you here to, to expand your network? So when my cousin invited my mom to a longer burger basket party, there was no question on whether or not my cousin loved me and my mom. I know my cousin loves me. I just know it. But now I'm never going to doubt that my cousin Angela loves me. There's pretty much nothing can make me believe or no matter what somebody said to me that my cousin Angela didn't love me. I know my cousin Angela loves me. So, okay, she invited my mom to some basket party. And when you get your friends to these basket parties, a lot of times somebody will buy something they don't need out of sympathy. Like, okay, I'll buy a basket from you. Like, we didn't need a we didn't need a basket. <laughs> Look, these are longer burger baskets. These are like the best baskets in America. Like, who cares? When do I ever use a basket? What am I, what, what am I, Belle from Beauty and the Beast walking to the baker's store? There goes the baker with his tray like always. The same old, what is it? The same old, the same old rolls and goods to sell. Every morning since we came, every morning just the same. Is that my life? Walk into the, walk into the baker? In, in a colonial, it's not colonial, in a French town in 1700s to get my morning bread, I use a basket on Easter. That's the only time I use a basket, ever. I don't have, I have a laundry hamper, not a basket. So I like, I don't need an ornate basket. Why are you selling this? So a lot of this stuff you don't need, but you know, I've come, I've come to this party, I've given you dessert, and now you must reciprocate with your time. The companies know that. And let me say this about the network marketing stuff. Something I say on this show a lot. Easy for me to say. Because I just drove to a factory and did some spreadsheeting. Mr. CPA. Oh, this is this. Oh, you want this number? Here it is. Oh, you want this number? Here it is. You want to know what we should do? We should do this, this, this. Type, type, type. Oh, thank you, Mr. CPA, for your wonderful spreadsheets. Okay, here's a bunch of money, Mr. CPA. Oh, thank you very much. And then I go home. Network marketing, things like Rodan and Fields or Mary Kay, are excellent opportunities for homemakers and mothers to be able to make money and contribute to their family without being employed outside the home. I know one woman who was a nurse, and it was a maternity nurse, and that's a hard job because you're on call and uh, you're always down there. I remember the tiredest I'd ever been uh, is when we had our first children, and I saw this, this woman at the, the hospital, and I couldn't even, she, I went to school with her. I've known her for years, and I just couldn't remember her name because I had such baby brain fog. But anyway, uh, she was working outside the home. Her husband was going to law school, and he was working full-time and going to law school. And then he was trying, after law school, he's trying to work full-time and get a job as a lawyer. Lawyers are super overworked, Okay. And she's supporting her family, helping him while he's getting his law degree. And she's got to go down to the hospital and work and be on call. She's done so well at Rodan and Fields, she was able to quit her job. It's, she's been very successful at it. And it... I'm just going to say it. Her looks don't hurt selling makeup. This is a very beautiful woman. Okay? And I think I think the people... Like, if, if you're... If you're a big, hunking, fat person, 
you'll probably do well selling milkshakes that weren't market. These are the greatest milkshakes. I'm not talking about weight loss milkshakes. Just if you're just some big fat, big fat blob. <laughs> Look, ah, this is the only milkshake I drink. Yeah, they won't put this many calories in it at the store. <laughs> Sorry. You're gonna do great selling that. And if you're a beautiful woman, makeup sales is for you. Let me tell you something. Have you ever seen an ugly saleswoman? And let me, let me put this right. Not even a middle of the road saleswoman. All right. Have you, have you ever seen a saleswoman who wasn't exceptionally good looking? I haven't. Well, I've maybe one or two. <laughs> I've, I've seen one of them. And you're like, well, you're not that good looking for a saleswoman. This is the world we live in. You see a normal woman and you think, well, she's not very good looking for a saleswoman. For a saleswoman, you know. But usually saleswomen are gorgeous, blonde hair or really dark hair, usually big breasts. A lot of makeup. I don't like a lot of makeup because it's phony, but they you see a saleswoman and she is put together. Because by the way, that's what helps you sell sell things. It just that's how the world works. Okay? If you're a saleswoman and you show up like I don't know why you'd show up wearing sweatpants and no makeup, like you just woke up out of your out of your bed. But if you how about this? If you show up dressed like an, an independent fundamentalist Baptist woman. Yeah, whatever you're selling, you ain't going to sell. So anyway, back to this woman I know. It has provided an excellent opportunity for her family. So now she can work from home, and now she gets to go to her kids' programs at school and whatnot. So I, I'm not trying to say, like, they're, everybody doing this is bad. I'm not trying to say that. Because any opportunity... Think, think Proverbs 31 here. Any opportunity for a stay-at-home mom or somebody like that to take on this, this sort of extra work that can help support their family, that's good. Like, great. Good for her. And I'm sure you all know people who have success stories in the network marketing, but I think we can say they're probably not the norm. There's usually something like charismatic special about these people that they, they may get you on their team but you're not going to do what they did because you're not them I would probably hazard a guess to say most of the people google this if you so choose that most of the people who get involved in the networking uh, the network marketing thing either maybe lose money or break even they buy their kit they do it for a month and then they quit because they, they don't have time. But the people who stay on, and I don't mean this in a religious way, it's like a cult. They have conventions. They have little sayings. Because, like when I worked at uh, Georgia Pacific, we had MBM, the 10 MBM principles, kind of like our 10 commandments. And we wore it on a little badge. And we say, that person's MBM, that person's not MBM. If you're not MBM, you got to go. This is how to be MBM. Almost like little phylacteries. We wore them as frontals on our forehead. And what these networking marketing things do is they have conventions. They bring in speakers. They get you excited. And the most successful people go there with all their friends who are, they've met through the network marketing and you think, man, if I can get to this level, 
I get a pink Cadillac and I get to go I get to go to the convention with a founder <clears throat> and it becomes a culture Stephen Kozar has talked about this the guy who does the messed up church who who works with Chris Roseboro he, he has really good insight onto Amway and Amway is like kind of the oldie but goodie those of you who are 10 or 20 years older than me you probably remember getting invited to dessert parties from fellow church members and they're trying to sell you on Amway and I think Amway sells basically like it's network marketing for toothpaste and deodorants stuff like you're going to buy this anyway and and here's my take on these network marketing products if Walmart ain't got it why if the Clinique counter at Belk ain't got it why it's usually people, I think, that are trying to go around the more traditional or established marketing channels. And they don't want to go through, for some reason, they don't want to go through those, and they go they go around. I think Rodan and Fields is probably too expensive. That's my guess with that. But here, here's the deal. The Walmarts of the world, the... You know, Kroger's of the world. Kroger, Fred Meyer. Uh, who else? Uh, Dale Hayes, that's who owns Food Lion. You know, Publix Ingles, Target. The department stores and big box stores and discount stores and grocery stores of the world, they don't want fad products that have like a niche following. They want stuff they can sell for years and years. They want a product like my mom buys, Clinique, every, her whole life. I'm 41. She's been buying Clinique that whole time. They don't want people, yeah, Juice Plus is going to change my life. It's changing life. It's Juice Plus, Juice Plus, Juice Plus. And I'm probably most of the people use it for three months and then they don't do it. But this just, just Juice Plus has the vitamins and I feel more energized than I ever have before. And you know, I have the Juice Plus and then I'm eating according to my blood type. Eating according to my blood type with the Juice Plus. And I'm breathing in all the essential oils every day. So I got this is I got to do this. Everything is how I'm living, and it's I feel so natural. I've never felt this good before. I, I use right now. I'm using Sensodyne toothpaste because I bought a big old pack of it at Costco. And when that runs out, if I hadn't gone to Costco, I'll go buy Colgate Sensitive. But I have sensitive teeth, by the way. I, if I don't use Colgate Sensitive or Sensodyne, it ain't good. <laughs> But I'm, I'm not going to be like, oh no, I didn't get Sensodyne. I got the Colgate instead. Now I know Sensodyne's probably a little better. It's a little more expensive, but Colgate does a good job. I don't care. I don't, even, I don't have any brand loyalty on that. Some things I do. I like to get Sargento cheese. Do you know why? Because that's the kind of cheese my, best, my big brother liked when he made pizzas. I don't know if Sargento cheese is the best. That's what Scott did. My, my brother's never wrong. I told my brother the other day, I said, when I'm talking about my podcast, there's two levels of authority. There's one, the Bible says, and then below that, so my big brother says this. I'm 41 years old. Well, my big brother said, my whole life, he'll be dead, I'll be 70, and I'll say, well, my big brother said this. You, unless you got a big brother, you don't understand. So, all that talk about network marketing, it's in your church. And I just, I'm sorry, but I just instantly suspect 
any family that's involved in it. Either number one, that they're not discerning enough to see that a lot of this stuff is sort of a scam. And a lot of this stuff is there's a very low chance of you being successful or continuing that level of success. And then the other people are, you're here for your influence. What you're doing gets you influence. And I'm, a, I'm like sort of a special case in that due to the way God made me, I don't really care about being influential. I, what's more valuable, valuable to me is to be seen as genuine. And if that doesn't influence anybody, I'm like, I don't care. And there's a practical part of that that I've had to sort of grow into as I've gotten older is like, it is more... Yeah, I, I can't upset people and therefore lose my influence. Because if I have something good to say, they won't listen to me because they're upset about this, that, or the other. And I struggle with that. It's like, I don't want to be disingenuous. The other day... This is yesterday. This is the everyday life of me. This is yesterday. I was at the uh, travel team soccer practice. And our best player. Period. If you're one of the other moms and dads, you're not saying, how dare he say you're saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> she is our best player. Our best player hadn't been to practice in a week. And they were like, where is this girl? Because we, we just had one player quit. And I'm like, where, where's, where is she? And her mom texted us and said, hey, just an update. You know, she's got bronchitis, and it might turn into uh, might turn into pneumonia. And you know, we're trying to get her better. She's not going to be able to play Saturday. And I was, all right, mystery solved. I put my phone in my pocket. And I sat there for a few seconds, and I turned around to some of the other parents. I said, in this social situation, should we get on the app and say, oh, sorry. Oh, hope she feels better. And they're like, yes, we did that like 10 seconds ago. And I'm thinking like, oh, now I'm going to get 10 more notifications on the same message stream. It goes without saying that we hope she all feels better. I mean, I even pray, I prayed for her. Why do I have to say, oh, I prayed for you, I'll pray for her. I just did. But that's how people work. I wouldn't have done it. And I was like, wait a minute. Ah, I should probably do this. Don't y'all think? Yeah, we already did it. So before you get into some kind of network marketing, you really need to make, make the decision or have the thought press, the process is how is this going to influence my reputation in the kingdom. And what you'll hear sold to you in a lot of church contexts is with this extra money that God is blessing you with, you can give even more to church. This is a way to really bless the kingdom. That's what will be sold to you. And it, I mean, I guess it is statistically true. If I make a million dollars and I tithe 10%, then I'm tithing $100,000. Well, if I make another million dollars, all of a sudden, there's two hundred thousand or another $100,000 in my tithe check. But then when you drill that down, it's more like, did I, did I take my job so, so that I could tithe more? The job I have now? The answer is no. I took the job to support my family. And... Uh, uh, Jesus could just drop a better job out of the sky on me if he wanted to. You know? God's sovereign all over all things. 
he, I'm tithing as much as he wills me to tithe. You know what I mean? It's like I, I already went to, I went to work because going to work, going to work and supporting my family is the right thing to do. You know what? What if I, what if I bet a hundred thousand dollars on the two hundred to one odds that the Diamondbacks would play the uh, Rangers in the World Series? I, I read on the news somebody actually did that. He bet five dollars and he won two hundred times five. No, I'm sorry. It was two thousand times five. It was two thousand to one odds. What if I did that? I'd be set for life, and I'd live off the interest. I don't mean much of a tithe, the interest off a of principal of money. But that's what I'd do. I know the people at your church and my church are the people in those circles and influence. But I want to tell you this. You don't want to do anything, especially if you're in a leadership position, To ever make the sheeple pew-sitter people like me and everybody else doubt that you're in it for you <clears throat> and not for us. <clears throat> so when I see some lady in my neighborhood start selling Rodan and Fields who already goes to church and it just has always done that, I don't think of her and think, well, she's trying to, she just goes to church to sell Rodan and Fields. I don't think that. But when you aspire, that's a Bible word, aspire. Whoever aspires to elder does, is a good thing. When you aspire to some influential leadership position, and then you bring in all the people who you have some kind of authority or serving relationship with, now I suspect you. Maybe I'm too skeptical and too suspicious, but I'm pretty sure there's people out there like that, and there's probably pe- I, I, I'm pretty sure James Merritt's like that, given what else I know about James Merritt. But I know that's not the case for everybody. I'm just saying be careful with this stuff in your church. And like I said yesterday about Rodan and Fields, you've got to think about the product you're selling. I remember when... The person was trying to say, you can sell Verizon, Verizon and, and DirecTV. I was like, I don't want to sell DirecTV. I don't want to nickel every time somebody orders Skinamax. You know what Skinamax is? It's Cinemax. So at, late at night, HBO, Showtime, and Cinemax show softcore pornography. Now, what is softcore pornography for you? Uh, Baptists who don't watch pornography and therefore you don't know what is that? We don't know what that is. We don't know any brands of cigarettes. Like Baptists, are like what's a brand of liquor? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, Jack Daniels. That's because why do I know that? Because I'm from Tennessee. Name another one. Like name three. Like I don't know if I can. <laughs> like from billboards, I know there's George Dickel, also from Tennessee, and then Wild Turkey. I think that's the same thing as Jack Daniels, but I don't know don't know like I can only name like the the coke of rum the coke of whiskey like the most popular one I like if you're an aficionado of whiskey there's all these different ones you can order for eight dollars a glass you ask me what like the best one is I, I don't know 
I'm just a Baptist. My big brother likes Jameson. <laughs> That's what I'd say. My big brother says this, but I don't know. What's the best cigarette? I don't know. There's a Marlboro, man. And then there's a Camel. What are the other ones? I don't know. Virginia Swim Slims, because you've come a long way, baby. I mean, I don't know. Brands would be like, I know Budweiser and Coors. What are the other ones? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, yes, if, if you're a Baptist and you're unfamiliar with pornography, there's hardcore pornography, which shows genital, genitals. Is that right? Gen no, genitals. That's what hardcore is. And then the softcore pornography that comes on Skinamax. They just show you from the back or from the waist up. So I remember that lady in church, and I was just like, I don't want a nickel every time somebody buys pornography on Skinamax. So you need to think about the morality of what you're doing. By the way, your everyday job, you need to think about the morality of that. Uh, does your does your office or does your company use illegal immigrants and pay them cash under the table, thus taking advantage of a worker who they're clearly paying less because they're skirting the system and doing something illegal in the government and avoiding payroll tax and cheating their honest competition who doesn't do that by becoming more competitive than they are? Look at all the wrong you do when you don't when you skirt the law. And I don't like payroll taxes. I think they should repeal them. I'm just saying, but that's the law. So if you're selling Rodan and Fields at church, is it a sin to wear makeup? I don't think so. It's your Christian liberty to do whatever. But I just want you to imagine, sort of think about a categorical imperative here. Let's be Kantian for a minute. What if every woman at your church was a Rodan and Fields makeup woman. And they bought the $100 moisturizer. You know, they get a little bottle for like $100. And their makeup, they were all dressed to the nines wearing Rodan and Fields. You want to go to a church like that? Where all the, the women look like Stepford wives? Like, you're just like, you're going to see, what you're going to see is you're going to see those, see those hemlines come up. And you're going to see those bust lines go down on the dresses, on the clothes. Because it's, it's, you, you, it's all trendy looking. When Timothy says that women are supposed to adorn themselves with modesty. Now, if that woman has a job as a sales lady, let's say that woman has a job as a sales lady at a chicken plant, <laughs> or for a chicken plant, and she goes into all these male clients, and she goes in there looking to the nines like makeup, like I get it. If you're a sales lady, heavy makeup's just part of your job. Okay? I get it. And then what about the chicken plant? Would you work at the chicken plant? Well, we got 15 legal, legal immigrants back there, ankle deep in chicken blood, and we're paying them under the table. Like, no, don't work there. Guys, a lot of this stuff is you got to drill down because there's nowhere that says thou shalt not work anywhere that doesn't pay payroll taxes. But you got to drill down on, is this place ethical? Do I want to be associated with this place? Am I loving my neighbor by working at this place? And... Am I representing Christ in a way that glorifies him by working in this place or selling this product? And everybody's got to decide that for him or herself. My take on Rodan and Fields, just as an example, is that it is the makeup of choice for Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And then it's not just because you, you got a bunch of queens all glam, glammed up in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember what the Bible says later about Sodom and Gomorrah, that they had careless ease and they didn't take care of, of the least. They were unconcerned with the problems of the poor. And that's, by the way, that's why they weren't, that's, that's why they weren't hospitable to the angels. God sent there to take Lot and his family away. And by the way, that's why they were engaged in gross homosexuality. Because it was all about their pleasure. They were a wicked people. It's usually not just one wicked thing. The whole wicked lifestyle comes. So when you think about an ethic of, number one, of modesty at your church, and then an, an ethic of stewardship and frugality, if the culture at the church is to buy a lot of the most expensive makeup and sell a lot of the most expensive makeup to everybody else and show yourself off with the most expensive makeup when you could have said maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's Maybelline and bought it at Target and looked just as good when you're when the women's idea at your church is the vanity havel 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 the vanity of paying more money to stay longer. Like, all right, we get it, lady. You're 40. You got three kids. You don't need to look like that anymore. You ain't trying to attract a man. You're trying to raise kids. Maybe spend $100 on their sports equipment or education instead of trying to get one of one more crow's feet because we're all going to die. Havel, havel, havel. That's the Hebrew word for vanity, vanity, vanity. Wind. 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 That's your crow's feet. All right? Your husband's still going to desire you. Don't worry. He can't sleep with anybody else. It'd be adultery. When that's the ethic at your church, all of a sudden you've got a problem. And who thought that when you when you saw Mary Kay or, or I, I I don't think Mary Kay is as expensive as Rodan and Fields. Who thought that when you saw Rodan and Fields, and it was all over the church? Who thought that it wasn't you? But there's all kinds of things to think about and husbands. You've got to point your wives to these, your wives to these considerations. Honey, I'm really glad you want to support the household. Lord knows we need it. I need it. I'm under pressure at work. I got to provide for all of us, but this is not the right thing for our family. So there's all these considerations to make. Ultimately, if we're not sinning, I'm going to say this again if we're not sinning, We all have the freedom in Christ to work where we want to work, sell what we want to sell, call on who we want to call on. That's the sales word, calling on a customer. Even if it's, if you want to throw a dessert party and try to sell makeup to your church friends, have at it. But there needs to be larger considerations, and I hope everybody's thinking about them. And I hope you're thinking about as lucrative as network marketing can be for your family and the members of your church. What is this saying about us and Christ and what kind of culture are we making? That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I know that can be sort of a hot button topic. But I just hope we all consider that. My wife, by the way, wears makeup rarely. She is a natural beauty. So again, easy for me to say. I bet my wife puts on makeup five times a year. Tops. And I love her anyway. When she's when she gets up to fifty, it's going to be harder to quote unquote get away with that. 
but I'm going to keep loving it. I'm going to keep on loving you. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again Tuesday. As always, God bless, and always remember, Christianity is not about getting Thanks saved. Thanks for it's listening about being to the Christian saved. Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.